Hey, this is Mitch Rose. I'm the lead pastor of City Hills Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message encourages you, it inspires you, it challenges you to live your best life. Take a listen. Here's this week's message. If you're new here, we started last week a four-week series. This is week two called Planted and Flourishing, talking about living your life thriving and not just surviving. It kind of feeds to what I was telling you uh, just a moment ago. We are in a season where the world wants you to just just cower in fear and, and be, be fearful and worry and anxious and anxiety. You, you don't think it's the devil's plan to keep you always in knots? You don't think that's his plan? If I can always keep your family in an uproar, then, I, then you'll never get on mission doing what I've called you to do. Listen, it's not about you. It's not even about your body. It's not about that. God, the devil wants your purpose. The devil wants the mission God gave you, the calling God has on you. So if I keep you bound up in fear and worried and anxious and fighting and fussing and cussing and throwing and hitting and screaming, then, you, you, then nothing else gets accomplished in your life. Now you live your whole life and you didn't come back and think, I don't want you to do that. I want you to live a life that's thriving and not just surviving. I want your marriages. I want your spiritual life, your emotional health. I want your attitude. I want everything in your life to be growing because we said this last week week healthy things grow shout grow shout grow you need to be growing in every area of your life now if you look at me I am growing in certain areas of my life that's why I wear things to cover up other areas of my life because I'm I'm doing my part okay everybody I got a growth mindset but I want you to have a growth mindset in every area of your life and the Bible said Psalm 92 last week we talked about that if you're planted in the house of the Lord It's the right environment for you to flourish in the courts of our God. That environments matter. Where you are matters. I'm going to pick up that same idea today in the book of Psalms. Psalm opens this way, Psalms 1. Psalms is a collection of psalms. It actually has has an S. There's multiple psalms. All of these stand alone as songs or poems or or narratives that uh, David and the people around him would, would sing to God. Longest book in the Bible, almost dead center of your Bible. And it opens like this. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Let me stop right here and tell you, David opens up the psalm by saying, environment matters. Who you're with matters. Who you listen to matters. Where you get information matters. What you allow in your mind matters. What you allow, the input of your heart matters. If you stand around people who are fearful, let me tell you what you're going to do. You're going to start thinking, you, you, ever, you ever heard somebody talk about a disease and in your mind you're thinking, I've got that. Anybody but me? Anybody do that? Anybody, you heard somebody, can't you ever heard somebody describe something and in your mind you're going, oh my God, that's me. I got that. I, oh God, that happened to me last week. I've got that thing. I don't, you know the worst, I think the devil, I, I don't know how many websites he owns, but I know he owns WebMD. You ever Googled your symptoms and think, this is it. This is it. I've got this. This is, uh, this is probably my last week. This is all I've got. I might as well eat whatever I want. This is going to be the last for me. I've got this thing in here. I've, I didn't even know this was possible. If, if you're a mother, you ever do this? You know, you're scared about everything. Is this the right? Oh, God, is that supposed to hurt like that? Is it? Oh, Jesus, what is supposed to happen? Oh, my baby. Oh, God, let me Google. Oh, Jesus, oh, this is probably the end for my baby. I don't know what it is. I'm just telling you, you, you'll, you'll sit around those people. You'll stand around those people. You sit in the company of those people, and it's amazing what happens. You become one of those people. 
<laughs> and Psalm opens up before I give God praise about anything. Let me tell you, where you're planted matters. And the environment matters. And then, he, and then he changes and he says, but there are some people whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditate on his law day and night. They're blessed are people who decide, I'm not sitting like that, but, but I've decided to delight in the law of the Lord and meditates on his law day and night. Now, I'm churchy. I'm old school churchy. I know that's hard to believe. But growing up in the old church, we used to sing, Whose Report Will You Believe? You know that? It was all my churchy people. Y'all know it. few of you. The rest of you are heathens. And you didn't grow up singing like that. But I'm telling you, listen, I, you got to, especially right now, you got to decide, am I going to believe the report of the enemy that everything's bad and everything's going down and this is going to get worse and it's just going, nothing's going to go right? Or am I going to believe the report of the Lord? I'm going to delight in the law of the Lord and I'm going to meditate. If there's something I'm going to put into my mind, it's God's way, not everybody else's opinion. I'm already preaching than you're amening. I'm preaching better than I hear you. So I, I, I will preach myself happy today, but it'd be better if you'll preach along with me. Shout amen to that. Amen. All right, good. That person, the Bible says, that person, verse 3, is like a tree. Here we go. Like a tree planted by, now underline this in your Bible, by streams of water. Jesus finds the woman at the well in Samaria, the Samaritan woman. Don't even know her name, never given her name. Just the woman in Samaria, the woman, the Samaritan woman. She's been married five times, shacking up with a brother who ain't her husband right now. The Bible said Jesus told her all things. He asked for water. She says, why are you asking for water? He said, if you knew who you were talking to, you would ask me for, listen, living water. Now, when Jesus talks about living water, he's talking about a spiritual. Matter of fact, the Bible says that out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. But he, he, he actually is using a term that she would understand. Living water simply was the way they would describe water that was moving. So a reservoir, a lake, it, it's where water is collected. It's stale, it's stagnant. You ever gone that? You just see, it's got, you know, it kind of around the edge of it, there's that scum and it, that pond scum kind of develops and that lake scum kind of develops on it and because the water's just staying there and maybe if there's no rain, it's just kind of gotten stale and stagnant. But you ever gone to a river? Where's all the people who love to float the river around Central Texas? Where you at? You're usually easy to find. You're kind of wild. Usually easy to find, but y'all dress modest, right? Not like everybody else there, and y'all drink root beer, right, on the way down. I just, because y'all are Christians, and I knew that about you, and I appreciate, I love that about you. But you go, <laughs> you go float that river, you, you go float the river around central Texas, and, and, all, and, and, and you look around. And one of the things I love about it, listen, as I love the trees that you'll find around the streams, around the river. They're different. They're not the same in my yard. They're, they're not the same kind of little shrubby, you know, like, man, you get around that water and there's big cypress trees and big, but why is it? Because there's water that's moving near it. And David said, listen, there's a place you can get in your life where that person is like streams who's planted by the water. There's some streams of water that are running through there. It's like a tree planted there and it yields its fruit. Put that verse back up. It yields its fruit in season, the Bible says. In season, it yields its fruit in season. And the leaf does not wither from it. And here's the craziest, I think one of the craziest scriptures in all of the Bible. The, certainly the craziest scripture David ever wrote. He says, and whatever, whatever those people do, prospers. Now that's a crazy kind of life. 
That it really doesn't matter what I choose. Most people come to my office and say, Pastor, what am I supposed to do? I got two offers on the table. I got this offer and it looks good and here's the positives and here's the negatives and I got this one. And I don't know. They both look good and I don't know what to do. And you know what I'm able to tell them? It's not really about the offer. It's really about where your heart is, where you're planted. Because the Bible says if you get planted, you get close enough to that living water. You get close enough to that spirit stream that's flowing in your life. You could choose either way because anything that you do is going to prosper. Anything that you choose is going, except the one that makes you leave uh, San Antonio. That one's not. I go ahead and tell you right now, that's the wrong job offer for you. But all the rest of them, God said, it is Abraham, listen to me, Abraham and Lot, they have to separate. And Abraham goes to his nephew Lot and he says, would you like to go towards the plains? Would you like to go that way? Or would you like to go all the way down towards the Dead Sea in Sodom and Gomorrah? And really, I'll give you the choice. Why would Abraham give Lot the choice? Because Abraham knew, it doesn't really matter where I choose. I could go there or I could go there. But everywhere I go, I'm going to prosper. God's with me. I'm planted by that stream of living water. And God said, that's how I want you to live your life. And if you're a believer today, if you were to ask David, David, how's it going? David, how's your world right now? I ask believers all the time. I see you and not y'all, but people in first service and in HEB and Walmart. And you go, how's it going? And most of the time, not, not us, y'all are full of joy, people. But the people from other churches I meet, they go, it's okay it's okay it's not okay you ask David David how's your life now this is the David who had to fight Goliath this is the David who had an epic sin and failure he had, he had slept with a woman who wasn't his wife got her pregnant she lost the baby by the way and then and then had her husband killed I mean I'm talking about he had some highs and some lows in his life and when somebody came to David said David how's it going he said man I'm like a tree who is planted by streams of water and I'm getting older, but I'm, it gets better all the time. Imagine answering that question, I'm getting better all the time. Everything's not perfect, but everything's on the way up because of where I'm planted. Are you? If, say amen to that because of where I'm planted, because of where I'm planted. So I got I, I to gotta, I gotta move. The Bible often talks about a tree, a plant, as it relates to the believer, to a child of God. How, how is my life? I'm planted. If you're planted in the house, I'm planted by streams of water. I'm, it yields fruit in its season. It, it, its leaves d d doesn't wither. If you ask somebody, God said the best way I know to talk about your life is like a tree. And I want to use the analogy of a tree in some different stages. I'm actually teaching today. This is my teaching voice. Imagine when I preach uh, I, I, I want to teach you today what it's like to live in different phases. I've met different people. And maybe you find yourself in one of these phases of a tree today. And I want to help you get to what God wants in your life. Are you ready? Say, I'm ready. Are you ready? Say, I'm ready. Ready people take notes. Number one, I've met a small tree. Now, I'm not talking about me, okay? Whatever. I'm not talking about, I'm not, I'm not talking about height. All the tall people, don't, you don't have to make funny jokes at the end of service, Kevin. You don't have to say anything about how tall you are. Everybody can see your big head over all the other people, okay? I hide in the middle, okay? I'm just, you can't, this true story, yesterday I was walking with some friends and I got lost in a big crowd and so help me God, like a little five-year-old, they could not find me because I, I was lost in the middle of this big, big crowd. Anyways, I'm not talking about small in stature. I'm talking about small in thinking. We have a tree in our yard. I, I told you, I, I kind of live in a, 
just a normal, you know, spec neighborhood, and, and, and I live next to a ranch. Actually, the ranch is right behind our home, and, and, and so it was, it was a lot of pasture land. I, my assumption is that the place my house was built looked a lot like the rest of the ranch, and there's not a lot of trees. It's just very flat, big hay fields there, and so when they built our home, and, you know, it's real close together. You look out your window, and you can wave at the people who look out their window anyways, and so, uh, and, and, but when they built our house, uh, they have to plant trees like there's there's not trees there so they get and they give everybody in the neighborhood the same amount of trees anybody know what I'm trying to say here you, you have you got neighborhoods like this the same amount of trees and so I get one tree uh, uh, in the front yard and it's doing great and if you look down my street I live on a cul-de-sac it looks like all the other trees in the yard and you go to my backyard you get in the second story of my backyard and look out and you can see everybody else's backyard because that's how close their houses are and you can see into their backyards and all of their trees my neighbor's tree is this giant canopy I mean it's shading the whole he's got a garden underneath it he's got little garden gnomes are running in there I mean it's it's, it just shades almost the whole house almost the whole backyard and you glance around you think man this is beautiful and then you get to my backyard and my little tree is the most Charlie Brown little stupid little tree you've ever seen in your I mean the dumbest little thing he just got little B.O. branches he just barely make it and I've talked to him I've prayed over him I've, I've, I've put him in a small group with other trees I've done everything he's just a small little little bitty old tree he just it doesn't matter this true story so a year after we moved into our home our, our, our landscaping had warranty on it and so we called the landscaper and they came and they plucked that one out and put a new one in so help me God it's worse than the one they took away now listen it's not dead it's just not growing and I've met Christians who have limited their lives they've just settled into smallness they're not dead they're just not thriving They've just decided small, they obsess over small things. They're petty people. Look straight ahead so you don't find somebody by the eye and you think, oh God, he's talking to me. They're petty. They, they talk about petty things. They, 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 they're negative about petty things. You know somebody like this? They're just small. They, their world is small. They were meant to have bigger influence. They were meant to have bigger wisdom. They were meant to grow financially and grow spiritually, but they've just become a function of small. And if you're here today and you think, you know what? I don't think I like this smallness. I'm here to champion you. God did not create you. Jesus didn't die and the Holy Spirit didn't fill you so you could live a small, insignificant, not making a difference life. God called you to thrive and flourish like a, like a tree planted by streams of living water. Shout amen to that. You say, well, pastor, our marriage, we didn't really have a good example of what a good marriage is. That's okay. It's okay to start small. But get in a small group for marriages. Get you in some counseling. Go to marriage conference when we have marriage conference. Get you some books together. Learn how to have a bigger marriage. It doesn't matter if you ever saw it modeled. It's your responsibility as a born-again believer to grow and not stay small. If you don't know how to be a good parent, maybe you weren't raised with good parents. That's okay. But listen, I, I, I'm, I'm tired of people blaming where they come from. When you were born again, you got a new father. He adopted you into his family. And through the spirit of adoption, you became the child of the Most High God. It doesn't matter if you saw your father do it right. You've got a heavenly father who can give you divine wisdom and grow. And you can be the man of God you're supposed to be. The mom you're supposed to. You can grow beyond small. Are you still there? Healthy things grow. 
Healthy things are not supposed to be small. When we first started the church, I'm getting nostalgic because we've been five years. Kent and Roberta have been there since the day we started the church. Matter of fact, Kent and Roberta were the first people to say yes on the launch team, or, and they're still in church today. That deserves you clapping for them, everybody. They started the church. None of y'all would be here if they hadn't said yes. I remember a couple weeks in, you remember in the, in the elementary school, and Kent was probably playing keys that day, and we were in elementary school, and, and the way that you had to walk out of it, I, I, I stayed at the back door. And, and back in that day, man, I thought I had to do, uh, you know, like I was, man, I was worshiping. I was running this. Brandy was singing. I was preaching. I'd run the back door, and then I'd go get pizza, and then we'd, then we'd tear down. I mean, it was just it was a lot, okay? And I thought I had to be at the back door and make sure everybody saw me. And, I, and boy, I had, I just, I'd practice my smile. I got a new shirt. And, man, I just, I'm ready. it's only two weeks, maybe three weeks into church. This little woman comes uh, by me and just beautiful. I'd seen her during church. And she's worshiping, she's smiling, and she's into it. And, I, and, he, and here she comes this way, and I, she doesn't still come to church. I don't know. She, she may be in heaven right now. She was old, okay? And I don't know where she's at. But anyway, she, she, comes, she comes to me, and, and she, she just smiles. She said, oh, Pastor, I love today. And man, when you just start a church, you think, oh, man, this is, thank God. Like, somebody likes it. You know what I mean? Like, maybe you'll be back, you know? And, and, and like, you want to immediately sign people up, like, like, and so I'm like, that's, that's awesome. Sister, I, I'm so glad you're here, sister. Because, you know, anyway. And so I said, uh, what, uh, you know, anything we can do? No, this is awesome. And, and I just love it. I love the preaching. I love the words. I love that. And I thought we were done. I was kind of, you know, I was going to move her on, pat her on the back. And she, and she took me by the hand. She said, Pastor, there's only, there's a, you know, the main, thing, the, the main reason I love this church? I said, oh, God, probably me. I mean, honestly, probably the preaching. But, I mean, you can tell me. <laughs> she said, the main reason I love this church, because it's small. Now, I'm a Holy Ghost-filled preacher, okay? <laughs> I, I, I've dealt with people for a long time. I've been in ministry a long time, Pete. I, I, I know how to handle people, all right? I, I, I fancy that I'm, I'm pretty decent at relationships. But something came on me in this moment. <laughs> this precious little saint of God. That I wanted to come to my church, but in that moment I realized, you're not talking about the size of the church. I'm looking at the size of your heart. And I put my hand on top of her little hand. I looked her right in the eyes. I said, sister, look at, look at me right in the eyes. She said, yes, sir. I said, this probably needs to be your last Sunday. If I were you, I'd probably find another church next week I'd visit. Because what you just said about that church is not going to be true very long. And you're not going to like it very long. And you're going to want smallness always. Not because we're small, but we're going to outgrow you and you're going to stay small. And that's not going to happen. And we're going to let you down because small is who you are on the inside. Now listen to me. I'm being very bold today, but i got to tell you. If you're here because you like it small, this probably is not going to be the church for you. Because this is a church on mission. This is a church ready to make a difference. Every, this is a church who's constantly growing. I hear people say, Pastor, why are you always pushing? Let me tell you why I'm always pushing. Because heaven is real and hell is real. And people are going to live eternity there. And we got work to do. we got mission to accomplish. we got purpose on the inside of us. God's called us to do more. Why? Why are you always about numbers? Well, the first reason is God is about numbers. He put a book in the Bible called Numbers. 
Everybody that thinks God's not about numbers. My God, he has a whole book called Numbers. Of course God's about numbers. The main reason is because every number has a name. And every name has a story. And every story matters to God. We're not going to stay small. We're going to If you don't like serving two services, you're going to hate it when we go to three services. And four services. And five services. And a Sunday night service. And a Saturday night service. And a Wednesday night youth service. And two campuses. And three buildings. And four cities. I'm just telling you, it's got to get bigger bigger we can't stay small and neither can you neither can you God didn't call Jesus didn't stay small Luke 2:52 says Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and favor with man by the way that's a four-part series on leadership growth Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God in favor with man. Paul talked to the church at Corinth. The church at Corinth wanted to stay small. They wanted to stay all about us. Every time they got together, it was all about them. They would have just these wild parties together. It would just be, they would scream in tongues and they would just get drunk on communion wine and it was wild and crazy and they just liked it because they weren't really reaching outsiders. It was more of an insider. And Paul walks into that scenario in the book of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 6. He says, hey listen, all that smallness you feel we didn't fence you in. We didn't tell you to live small, exclusive, us four and no more, our club and nobody else, holy huddle. We didn't call you to live that. The smallness you feel comes from on the inside of you. Your lives aren't small. You've been saved by a big God, but you're living your lives in a small way. And then he says what I got to tell you today. He says, open up your lives and live openly and expansively. I want you to grow and not stay small. If you believe that, shout a big amen. Amen. All right, I got to keep moving. I don't have much time and I'm on point one. And if you've been around here very long, you know there's at least three. And today there's more. Number two, I've met people who are an average tree. Just average. Just kind of mediocre. Just kind of barely getting by. I want to encourage you today. And and let 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 me preach to my generation so I just read something the other day. They struggled to find uh, language for uh, my, my generation. I'm technically a millennial, but I was born on the first year that millennials, the, the millennial generation starts. So I'm not Gen X, but I'm not a millennial. And this true story, last week I read an article that said I was a geriatric millennial. <laughs> Whatever. Let me preach to millennials, 30s, 40-year-olds. Let me, let me talk to Gen X and Gen Z. Let me talk to Gen Z and, and 20-year-olds and even younger than that today. There is a, there's an epidemic. You want to talk about pandemic. There's a pandemic of laziness and averageness in our generation that we just get by. The standard is good enough. Most people have this. I'm no different than everybody else. My marriage is kind of terrible, but everybody's marriage is terrible. My attitude is bad. But it's no worse than everybody else's attitude. I'm doing the most that I want to do. Everybody else in church kind of serves like this. I guess I'll serve like this. I give my tithe because that's the bare minimum. Everybody else gives their tithe. I serve twice a month because that's what everybody wants me to do. You listen to me. God did not save you and put his Holy Spirit in you so you could just do the bare minimum. God's called us more than average. God's called us to be a people that are exceptional in this world. God's called us to have exceptional lives and bigger, not average, bare minimum, just get by kind of lives. 
God wants you to be more than that. Can I get a better amen than that? In Jesus' time, the Romans occupied Judea. There was a Roman law in every province that Rome uh, controlled that if a Roman soldier encountered you on the way, that whatever he had for you to do, you were compelled, you were required by law to do it for a mile. It could be carry supplies. It could be carried ammunition. It could be uh, drive this cart. It could be uh, take my horses this way. Whatever it was, Roman law, wherever the Romans occupied, Roman law was you had to, as a citizen of Rome now, or or at least an occupied territory of Rome, you had to carry it or do it for a mile. And Jesus walks in the middle of that scenario and he says, if a Roman soldier asks you to go one mile, I don't want you to be just one mile people. I want you to carry it two miles. I want you to to go a second mile. I, matter of fact, if he asks you for your coat, I want you to give him your shirt too. I don't want you to just be average and do the bare minimum. I want you to be a church that is an extra mile, go the distance, exceptional kind of people. <laughs> Say yes to that. Not just average. Somebody said yes in the back of the room back there louder than you. David didn't say when you asked David, David, how, how's it going? He didn't say, I'm eh, sorry. He said, man, I'm like a tree planted by streams of water. It brings leaves and fruitfulness in its old age. Most of us start our lives as learners. You saw, you, you saw these kids come in, some of them going to preschool or kindergarten or first grade, and we start our lives as learners. You're learning. Everything's brand new. Everything's new to you, and you're intaking, and you're learning, and you're growing, and then at some point in adulthood, you stop learning. Write this down, and we move from being learners to being knowers. At some point in young adulthood, you move from being a learner to being a knower, and the problem with being a knower is you don't think there's any room for you to learn. Oh, I know how to do this. Being someone who knows interferes with being someone who learns. I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to just. I don't want you to just get saved and stay right there. I want you to keep growing and learning. I don't want you to just know. It doesn't matter. Listen, I don't want you to just do average. I don't want you to just show up on time, give the minimum, serve the minimum, stay on the team, worship the minimum, pray the minimum, read your Bible the minimum, give the minimum to your church or the minimum to your spouse or the minimum to your job. I want you to go the extra mile in your life. I don't want you. I want you to be a lifelong learner and say, God, I know you got more for me as a father, more for me as a leader, more for me as a business owner. You got more for me as a husband. God, I know you got more. I won't stay average. Say amen to that. Don't settle for it. Number three. Number three, I got to hurry. I've got 12. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have 12. I don't have 12. I have 11. Number three, an infected tree. An infected tree. <laughs> an infected tree. I have, um, I have encountered spiritual people who are infected. Most trees get infected not because of where they're planted, but because of what they're planted next to. Most trees get infected because of, of the environment, who they're around. Uh, I, uh, a couple of years ago, there's a guy in our church who sells ranches and and he invited me to go show ranches with him for a couple of days in a row. And it was great. I really, really enjoyed it. We drive way into the hill country. And we were selling these, he's selling these big ranches. And I was just kind of there, you know, riding around and learning. And, and we'd pull the ATV off and we'd go, we'd go survey the ranch. And a couple of the ranches that we did, we, we, we'd go, you know, deep into them before he starts showing them. 
and he would find oak wilt. Are you familiar with this? He actually called it tree aids. I mean, it like it was it was. I mean, it bad and like he had to use language to say it's detrimental. And I remember this one particular ranch, man. On the on the surface, when you got when you when you looked at the very front, we pulled up, looked beautiful. I'm not talking about beautiful. Had had flowing water. Had it just gorgeous. Had had access on it. Had big. Uh, and then and then we keep driving in the ATV on this ranch, and he finds a patch of oak wilt, and literally the back half of the ranch is just ate up with this oak wilt. And he literally looked at me and said, "It's worthless. You could not give this ranch away. I can't sell it. You can't give it away. Why? Because this infection got here from somewhere else." This infection got into this tree. Now, I don't know. Matter of fact, most people don't know. Some, some people say it's beetles. Some people say it's on the wind. Some people say it, it may be bad fruit around it or through the soil. I don't know what happens. I just know there's something that infects it. It's something in, uh, uh, that they're around that gets on that tree. The Bible says it like this, Proverbs 13 and 20. You want a verse for your children for this school year? Here's the verse over my kids. If you walk with the wise, you will become wise. But a companion of fools suffers harm. In other words, it matters who you're in relationship with. It matters the people you're hanging around. If you're around infected, negative, no good kind of people, it's going to get in your mind and in your heart, and you're going to wind up in that same negative, down and out, fearful, anxious kind of group. You can get infected by who you are with. Shout amen to that. You need the right people in your world. The, the, the biggest prayer I have for my children is God put them with the right people. God put them in the right friend group. God put them in the right peer group. Because I know if I get them around the right people, even if they make wrong choices, the right people will direct them in the right direction. God, get them in the wise people around you. And there's some people in your life that are infecting you that you need to do a friendectomy. Come on. You need to just cut them out of your life and say, I can't have this anymore. This is killing me. It's hurting me. It's infecting me. It matters who you're planted beside. You can't have infected relationships, toxic relationships, toxic people, unspiritual people. You'll become infected with them. I'm telling you, you need to get in a small group full of godly, God-chasing kind of people. Shout amen to that. It matters who you're with. Number four, and I'm hurrying. Number four, an uprooted tree. I won't preach long about this because I preached last week about finding your place in God's house and the planting of the Lord, but an uprooted tree is someone without deep roots and plant. They, they just, they go from here to there. Let me, let me add a little bit to this. These are the people who are transient. Um, I'm always leery when people tell me, well, I've had seven jobs. I'm 22. <laughs> well, I'm not in a relationship now, but, you know, my last six ended terrible. When people come to church and they go, Pastor, I hope this is a good church because the last nine we were at were just awful. We just couldn't, they just weren't good. Right? It's always a red flag when someone comes to me and the first thing out of their mouth is how bad the last church was because it won't be long for you'll do it to this church. You know why? Because you're uprooted. Because you don't have, you didn't get planted. And Psalms 52 and 8 says it like this. I here he is again, David. I am like an olive tree who's flourishing. Where? Where I got planted. In the house of God. Most people believe in Jesus, but they struggle with the planting. You don't have a problem with Jesus. I meet, I meet people all the time who say, Pastor, I love Jesus. I just don't like the church. Well, that's not possible. Because if you love Jesus, you're going to love his bride. And the bride of Christ is the church of God. That's what the Bible says. 
you got to love his church. He's coming back for his church. He's not coming back for, uh, for an individual. He's coming back for a group, for the church, the Bible says. He empowered his church. He loves his church. He laid down his life for his church. And if you, you got to find, and I tell you this, and I really do mean this, and I'm, now, now I'm going to get nice. I'm going to put on my nice coat. Because I've been harsh. I'm going to be nice. If this isn't it, and I mean this with all of my heart, I've said this for years. Since we started the church, if this church isn't the one, go find the one. And then go all in on it. Don't keep being uprooted and, and, and trying here and trying here. And I'm going to try that. And I'm going to talk to them. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try that. No, no, no. Just go get planted somewhere. The flourishing life is a life that's planted. Here's the last one. Here's where I want you to be. I want you to be planted and flourishing in a fruitful tree. If you could see this as a picture, I want you to see your picture on this tree. <laughs> I want you to see this is your life, a flourishing and fruitful tree. I, there's a picture to freeze and put your name on it. It'd be this one. I want you to see God's plan for you and don't settle for anything less than flourishing and fruitful. Don't settle for anything less than flourishing and fruitful in your marriage. Don't settle for anything less than flourishing and fruitful in your spiritual life. If your spiritual life is dry today and cold and maybe you're not lost, but you're just cold and far from God, I want you to find a place that is fruitful. I want you to get to the place where your spiritual life is flourishing and fruitful. 21 days of prayer is a great place to start. If your marriage isn't flourishing and fruitful, I want you to fight for it. Don't give up. A couple of weeks ago, I sat down with a couple on the dream team. An amazing couple. Successful. Beautiful children. They told me a story of heartbreak and how their marriage had just gotten to a, honestly, a, the darkest place I know. Shameful and dark. And they said at the beginning of 2020, you remember that? You remember? It was a long time. January 2020 I stood in a movie theater Bernie, Texas and I looked up and, and I said in my closing prayer don't divorce this year give it the whole year and if you still if, if it still if God doesn't fix it the next year I don't pay and they literally looked at me across the table we were at dinner Brandy and I and they said we were filing in January and we waited 12 months and it was hell I mean, then the pandemic, and then 2020, until, until November of 2020. And they had this one last fight in them, Kent. They, just, they went to this one last spiritual Christian counselor, marriage intensive. They had a moment with God, and literally in a moment, I'm telling you, in a moment, God restored everything in their marriage. And I'm on the schedule to rededicate. That we're we're going we're to renew their vows. They're going to get married all over again, everybody. Here's what I, I listen. Here's what I'm telling you. I just it can be flourishing and fruitful. You can have a life that's flourishing and fruitful. I know it feels small today. Don't stay small. It's okay to start small. Don't stay that way. It's okay to. Have a moment where you feel average and you feel like, man, I just don't feel like I'm giving. But don't stay there. Don't stay infected. Don't, don't, don't stay uprooted. Just God has given you flourishing and fruitful. It's the plan of God in your life. And I'll show it to you. It's God's. Jesus said, I came for you to have this life. Jesus 
says in John 15. How do I do this? Man, how do I get a flourishing and fruitful life? I'm glad you asked. Jesus said, abide in me and I in you. And as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. You need to take this verse today. You can't flourish apart from Jesus. You can't have, you, you can't be fruitful. You, you can't bear fruit unless you abide in the vine. And then he says, let me make it real plain for you. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And if you'll abide in me and me and you, you'll bear much fruit. But apart from me, you're just not going to make it. I tell young couples I meet before marriage, listen, all of this marriage counseling is good. You need to do it. Matter of fact, we won't marry you. Our team won't without, without it. We'll give you all the tools we know. But honestly, Matt, it's just going to be, is God at the center? Am I connected to the vine or not? Apart from, apart from Him, it's just not going to work. Marriage doesn't work apart from Him. You, you can go to all the classes you want to on leadership and how to, you can read all the leadership management books you want to. But if you want, if you want to be successful, you're just going to have to get connected to the vine. You're going to have to stay with Jesus. People ask me, Pastor, what's our opinion about, what's your opinion about all this stuff going on? What's your, let me tell you, my, I'm with Jesus. That's my opinion. I'm connected to Him. <laughs> what, what's your opinion on vaccines? Well, I'm going to go Jesus. Jesus, I, That's what I tell you to do. Go ask Jesus. Just get connected to Him. Do whatever He tells you to do. I just, I, what's your opinion on all this uh, in the world that's going on? I, let's go to Jesus and find out. I've just decided to, to weather this storm and to get through this world and to wait on the rapture. I've decided I'm going to flourish. And the only way I can bear fruit and flourish in this season is that I'm connected to the vine. I stay close to the vine. Tomorrow morning at 6 o'clock, I'm going to cry out of my truck I'm going to get on my knees and I'm going to get connected to the vine Tuesday morning at 6 o'clock I'm going to get connected next Sunday you can find me right here I'm going to get connected to the vine when we go to Van Rob school you can find me I'm going to get connected to the vine I've just decided I'm going to flourish in my life I'm going to stay connected to the right thing in my life and in old age I'm going to bear much fruit Lord Jesus I pray for people in church today who find themselves in one of the trees, maybe small, maybe average. God forbid, but maybe even an infection spread from other people. Something happened in their life that hurt them and caused pain. and Maybe they've been uprooted for a long time. Nobody's looking around. Our team's in place. Nobody else is moving. Every eye is closed. If this message is for you, all I'm asking, I'm not asking where you are. I'm just asking if this message is for you and you know there's areas of your life you need to grow. Abandon smallness and averageness and infection and uprootedness. You, you need, there's areas you need to flourish in. Would you just raise your hand and say, include me in this prayer. Hands up all over the house. Thank you. God bless you. Hands up everywhere. Father, I pray for every hand honest enough to go up that whatever area of their life they find themselves, that there would be fruitfulness. God, I pray in this moment, supernaturally, now you have the ability to do this, connect them to the vine. God, I come home today. Come on, if, if, you've, if you've never prayed a surrender prayer, if it's been a long time, you can just come home today. God, I believe you're the vine. Come on, tell him, Jesus, I believe you are. I believe apart from you, I can't do anything, so I reconnect today. 
You say, well, I'm not lost, Pastor. Doesn't mean you're not cold. Just, just re-up today. Just, just decide today again. I'm rededicating. God, I'm going back in. God, graft me back to that vine. Get me close to Jesus again so that my life can start producing. My marriage, my, uh, God, it, as, as a father, as a mother, as a wife, as a spouse, as an employer, as an employee. God, I just, I'm recon- as a son, as a daughter, I'm reconnecting today. As a Christian, as a believer, as a spirit-filled disciple today, I'm reconnecting to Jesus. Because that's what's going to give me strength through this. That's what's going to give me the nutrients I need. That's where that life-giving flow comes through the vine. It comes through the vine. So, God, I've been disconnected, but I'm back today. Reconnected to the only source of hope. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, it starts there. It's as simple as a prayer. I can lead you in. I can't pray it for you. But the whole church is going to pray it along with you. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for the cross. I believe you died for my sins. God raised you from the dead. I repent of all of my sins. Come on, tell him. I repent of all of my sins. I repent of all the season I lived for me and did it my way. I give it to you. I receive the forgiveness and grace and mercy of the cross. I receive the power of the resurrection. Thank you for saving me today. Be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. And everybody shout amen. Thank you for joining us today. And a special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. You know, it's because of you that we're able not only to bring this message to you, but we're able to offer hope and life to the San Antonio Hill Country and beyond. So if you'd like to give today, you can visit cityhillstx.com right now. And if this message blessed you, why don't you click subscribe or share this message with your friends uh, on your socials. I pray it's a blessing to others in your world. Thanks again for listening today. God bless you.